Welcome to the Razan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 44. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be launching the new edition of the 12 Song Challenge, dissecting the classic song Shine, Jesus Shine, and considering how to write a song of intercession, as well as responding to your tweets, posts and emails. Sam, welcome back to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's nice to see you. Your beard has grown longer and longer. Has it? It's basically scraping along the floor now. That's it. It's because I'm lying on the floor as I record. <laughs> um, happy birthday for yesterday. Thanks, buddy. Are you 40 yet? Uh, no, I'm still very young. In uh, fact, I am 39 this year. Yeah. But next year, oh, it's going to start going backwards. I'll be 38 next year, 37 the next. I see. So how Yeah, that's how it's going to work. Is that the Swedish way? Yeah. <laughs> I made a pact. For new listeners, uh Sam has lots of Swedish family, just in case that seems like an odd thing to have said. <laughs> Go back and listen to the last 43 episodes just to get the backstory. Um, I got you a present. Now, oh, thanks, also for new listeners, um, Sam Sam has um, a couple, maybe even a couple of times got me a present live on air for my birthday. And what he does is he buys oh. it and then he shows me it on the camera and then gives it to me six months later, which is it's fun and exciting to look forward to. But what I've done instead is I've ordered you something, Sam, which is going to be delivered. And I'm going to just try and drop the link into this is great radio <laughs> into the into the Skype box here. Wow. So you can see it and have a look. How not to write a song by Brian Oliver. Song. Yeah. Nine seven four six. What? Don't read that bit. I think that's just the ISBN number. Okay, sorry. Um. Anyway, how not to write a song? That is exactly <laughs> how not what to I write need. a hit song by Brian. I've no idea who Brian Oliver is, but it says a hundred and one common mistakes to avoid if you want songwriting success. And I thought, well, we can't rely on this podcast, so I'll get this wicked. Right. It might even be self-published. I'm not. Even, when you look at it, I'm not even sure. Um. But it there says. Is. This book takes a close look at the essential elements consistently found in the structure, melodies and lyrics of all hit songs. It highlights and analyses the most common errors that are made when these key components are built into a song so that new writers can try and avoid such mistakes in their own songs. There you Brilliant. Go. So my challenge to you when this arrives is not only to read it, but to bring for each podcast episode, see if, you can, see if we can fill the year with one useful tip from Brian Oliver. Each episode. What do you think? A Brian moment for each episode. Brian moment. I like that. We'll have Bri- a Brian moment. Brian's brain. So happy birthday to you. Thanks, mate. Happy birthday to Brian Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> what else What else have you been up to recently, dude? Uh, I got interviewed on Premier Radio last week. That was oh. a bit of a laugh. Um, so they got me in and we were talking about what we do with Engage. I talked a little bit about Resound. Uh, but then the main thing was they wanted me to bring some djembes in. And I taught him live on air how to to play uh, djembe. Uh, and then they started playing Shine, Jesus, Shine. And of course, yes. then you have to pick up your headphones when you're on radio yeah. to listen to the track because it's not, you know, you can't uh-huh, have speakers yeah. on when you're... And so I picked up my headphones and he's playing the track live on radio and I couldn't hear anything. And I wasn't sure if the track wasn't playing. I was thinking, how can I play along to something that I can't hear? This is going to be an absolute car crash. And so I panicked for a moment and then fortunately... I picked up a different pair of headphones and they work fine. So oh. my, my moment, momentary panic was gone. But um, 
we, we actually played Djembe live on air along to Shine Jesus Shine. You hit, and if you listen back to it, you hear me going, right now, do the We Will Rock You beat. Boom, boom. Like, it's very, <laughs> it's you, a bit mad. I didn't know you were such a Djembe expert. I really am not. No, I I am complete amateur, but it was a it was a bit of a laugh. How did you get the gig? Why did they have you? And I'm I'm genuinely interested. Why did they get you on Premier Radio? Because because we talk about using junk drums and percussion and stuff in worship quite a bit. Okay, and we do that with groups and you know in events and things. So I I have enough ability to teach you know a, a small group how to play along with a worship song. I heard though that the presenter you were actually teaching is in fact a drummer. Well, that that's what uh, yeah somebody said subsequently, didn't they, on Facebook? Oh yeah, he's he. But he kept going. Oh, I'm not musical at all. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And he said he said he looked pretty confused. I mean, if he if he's like an expert drummer, then he he was hiding it well. <laughs> what else have you been up to? Well, we got this uh, course coming up uh, that we're running for six weeks over the autumn, um, based on our How Would Jesus Lead Worship book. Oh yeah. Um, and so we're hosting it in Luton, but it's available a, in all good book outlets. Well, it's is not it? actually. It's out, okay. it's out of print now. Well, it, we're honestly talking about doing a second edition because we're run, oh. we've pretty much run out. Oh, nice. um, but um, yeah, the idea is if this course goes well, then we will do a second edition of the book. And we may even do a video version of the course oh, to kind of make it available. But the, the first step is to run it kind of live with genuine humans. Brilliant. Um, to see how that goes so if people are still interested if i don't know when we're going to put this out but if uh 7th of september the uh, midnight is the it's a booking deadline um and it starts on the 11th of september um then finally just for the listeners at home can you explain what you have got in front of your microphone there because <laughs> i know you haven't got your mic stand and pop shield because you left them and i've got them at my house <laughs> I left them at the songwriting retreat, and so I've been using various implements. At the moment, my microphone stand is mostly made up of uh, electrical tape and a bent coat hanger and a sock acting as a pop shield. Nice. It is a clean sock, but it does look rather ridiculous. I'll tell you a word for it. Joel, what have you been up to, mate? Well, um, I've had... I find the summer a bit boring. Do you find this sometimes? I just... I look forward to the summer... When everyone goes on holiday and it's a bit quieter, and you think, oh, brilliant, I get loads of stuff done. And then within about a day and a half, I'm not even really much of a people person. You know, I love working on my own, but <laughs> within a day and a half, I'm a bit bored. And so it felt like a, a long August where I wished I was on holiday. Um, nonetheless, I've been working on some stuff. And two key things um, are the Hymns of Peace project we've been talking about for the last few months. Well, that is all coming to fruition. Um, exciting. We were uh, recording the All Souls Orchestra on um on saturday integrity are doing a doing an album with them and they very generously let us come in on their session and record some stuff oh, wow. for our for our hymns of peace um him yeah really fantastic um been working so, so it's gonna be a great recording with um with the orchestra jonathan vera mark edwards has been producing it love jonathan uh jonathan edwards well i love jonathan edwards too but that's a different <laughs> sport um, do you know do you know my uh my Jonathan Vieira story. No. <laughs> I was at Spring Harvest once doing a venue and it, sometimes you have to pack up at the end of the day because yeah. there's like an artist coming in. So we were diligently packing up because we heard that Jonathan Vieira was coming in to sing or packing all the music gear and crazy stuff up that we'd been using. And then he came in just as at the end of it and I was saying to him, you know, are you okay, Patrick? Are you, you know, <laughs> as you've got everything you need, have we cleared everything? <laughs> Patrick, I hope you have a really good gig, Patrick. And all the way through he kept going, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> he was just totally cool about it. It. And then uh, afterwards, I realised. I mean, I think Patrick Vieira is a, like a footballer or something, yeah, right? He was so that was in my head. Yeah. 
And I'd been calling him Patrick for like 10 minutes. Oh, nice. Well, anyway, so he's going to do a great job on this recording. Sounds really beautiful. Um, we've also had uh, animator and illustrator with my, my wife, Creative Directing, um, making a video for it. It's going to be fantastic. I'm so wow. excited about the video. Um, it's going to be a really nice thing, which I think will really fly on social media, but also be useful in churches on Remembrance Sunday. Um, mm. And then along with that, a collection of nine other new hymns and pieces that for of which we're calling Hymns of Peace and Remembrance. So dead excited about getting that out um, and about it being sung in St Paul's and York Minster. And I think we've got a photo up with the Bishop for the Armed Forces as well, who's keen on it. And there's all sorts of good stuff. Um, and then love songs. So literally just before we uh, came on air to record, I've been hitting go on all sorts of places on the internet to make launch our new collection of songs. So we decided we would um, try and write a themed collection of songs. We found that helpful over the last couple of years um, in kind of EP size. So not necessarily all our writers doing stuff, but some of us. And the theme this time was love. And we created love songs. It's five songs. Um, and each taking a different angle and feel, but that they're just kind of trying to explore God's love, but all with, with all the kind of richness of a resound song. Um, try to make them really singable, of course. But also when we recorded them this time, we just wanted them to sound like church. You know, sometimes you hear mm. songs and you hear them in the studio and it's fine, but they don't actually sound their best in the studio. They sound best in church. But the problem is it's difficult to record actual yeah. church. So we kind of faked it a bit. But what we did was we got a band together in my house, put the drums in the lounge and the bass in the hallway and the guitar and keys in the in my study and we play play long, and I basically just said, you know, we thought about arrangements a bit, and then we said, okay, now just play it like you would in church, and let's do it that way. So we did that, a couple of takes, a few edits, a bit of overdubs, because you have to you have to overdub one or two things. You can't really get away with guitar, acoustic guitar and drums in the same room. Um, and then we got the um, voices of the Resound Worship Songwriting Retreat to be our congregation. Yeah. So they recorded all of the... Um, this kind of big congregational sound for it. And then we've got the lead vocalists um, to record their vocal with all of that in their headphones and just said to them, mm. just sing it like you would in church. So this is what we tried to do. Uh, and now we're just presenting these songs. So we'd love you guys to go and have a look and see if you like any. And um, we'll stick one on the end of the podcast um, as a featured song. I must say, I was part of that group uh, vocal recording at the... At the um songwriting retreat and it was just a brilliant brilliant time and everyone's like oh this is a good song mm. and then you do the next one oh this is a good song <laughs> uh and they they you know they they're all quite a quite different different styles on there but um but really strong material really strong Sam it's back the 12 song challenge 12 song challenge is that still the jingle or is yeah. it a new jingle no i think we'll keep the jingle wouldn't be the same without that jingle. I think that's what made it last time. Twelve song challenge. Twelve song challenge. Um, so what's the twelve song challenge, Joel? Sam, the twelve song challenge is something we invented a couple of years ago. It's one of the best things we've ever done with Resound, I think. Um, I agree. We, as songwriters, recognise that just having the discipline of getting on and writing stuff is quite hard to do. We tend to go in phases and seasons, and sometimes you look back over a whole year and think, oh, I've barely written anything. Um, mm. So we decided to set ourselves a challenge each month, which will be a theme, a style, some form of inspiration or something clever, um, just to get us writing. And um, 
and see what happens. We ran it a couple of years ago and we got a bunch of you listeners involved as well. I had about 100 people um, mm. involved writing songs and it was brilliant. So how do people get involved nowadays? If Because it like, you know, is, is it something that's just for resound writers or is it so for anyone? We, well, we're going to... We're going to talk about it on the on the podcasts. Um, if they go on our Facebook page, Twitter, um, which is just search for Resound Worship, um, we'll put out updates and stuff. And basically, if you follow us on those links or look on our website, resoundworship.org slash 12 song challenge with the number 12, um, you can find a, a thing. You can just drop us a line and say, I want to be involved, and then we'll add you to the mailing list. We'll send you the challenge every month. Um, we'll talk about it. On the podcast at the beginning of the month, we'll review the month on the subsequent podcast, and um, but we'll also invite you to be part of a little community. So we, we're using an online tool called Slack, um, which is basically a place that you can come be part of this community and you can share what you're working on, and then you can all chip in and help each other and you know, give feedback and comments and you know, do this interactively. So it doesn't sound very long, like a month to write a whole song. How how finished does the thing have to be by the end of the month? It doesn't really need to be very finished at all. So you might find okay. occasionally you'll write one and you, you will just fly through it. But probably more yeah. often than not, you'll just have a bit of an idea and maybe write a verse and a chorus and you'll know it's rough and you'll know it's... But you'll just chuck it out there and you'll share it with people and you'll get some... Yeah. And, and taking a bit of feedback will then tell you, should I carry on and work on this? So the, the idea mm. is just to write something and it really doesn't matter... And I think some of the, you don't have to. You can just listen to the podcast and just do it yourself. But actually, mm. being part of the little community and sharing, you know, sharing it even if it's a bit rubbish is quite a good discipline. And just saying, okay, now that's that, that's that month ticked off. But we found we did it, didn't we? And yeah. at least a couple of the songs we then carried on through, and we've we've published them and put them out there. Yeah, and people were saying when they were emails or some of the emails coming back, and people were saying, oh, the next month is really busy for me, yeah. but after that I should be out. Is that okay if people yeah, kind of don't sure? I mean, do, do people have to do a song every month, or is it? Well, what I would say is um, no. Yeah, I mean, of course you don't. Have, and if you want to join in, you know, if you pick this up a bit late and you want to join in, that's fine. Um, but I reckon try try and do a song every month. But if it's a super busy month, just give yourself fifteen minutes if that's all you've got, mm. and just sit and come up with four lines of a chorus and a tune, and just say, okay, that's all I'm doing this month. But I did it. Um, so that you it's all about keeping this creativity oiled and yeah. ticking over and keeping the cogs moving yeah, yeah. And, and so on brilliant i'm looking forward to it yeah well we're going to launch the um actual challenge a little bit later in the podcast uh, but before we get there our regular feature we are going to dissect a classic dissect a classic now can you guess sam based on the melody of the jingle which classic we might be dissecting today um is it uh how great thou art Mm, you're not so good on the melody spotting. <laughs> but it's uh, always that melody, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> it's always. And it has always been the melody to Shine, Jesus Shine. by Unless you're Graham Kendrick's uh, lawyer, in which case it's not. No, in which case, never heard it. That's a complete coincidence. Um, yeah, by the venerable, right honourable, right reverend um, Lord High Executioner, Graham Kendrick. So this is pretty exciting. Um, this is... This is like the big one. I feel like we've it is. we've yeah, we've got, built we've, up to this. We've we've steered away from this for about three years, but finally we feel ready to dissect 
shine, Jesus, shine. I dropped um, Graham a line yesterday to see if I could just oh, do cool. a five, little five-minute interview with him. And he said, no, sorry, I'm a bit too busy today. <laughs> but he said, another time, I'd love to. So, another time, when we get on to another, uh, another Graham song, we will. But we did, fortunately, um, I think, Sam, you found some, some stuff about it online. Tell us about Shine, Jesus, Shine. Yeah, well, he talks about it on his website. He says it's a, it's a prayer for revival. Um, a songwriter can give people words to voice something which is already in their hearts, but which they don't have the words or tune to express. And I think Shine Jesus Shine caught a moment when people were beginning to believe once again that an impact could be made on a whole nation. And I think that the background to this is it's the time, uh, 1980s, during the time of kind of uh, uh, March for Jesus. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Um, people kind of prayer walking their towns and their cities. Uh, he was writing quite a lot of music for that sort of thing. Um, if you remember, let the flame burn brighter in the heart. And this sort of idea that if we took prayer and worship to the streets, that we could, um, you know, kind of um, be praying in revival. And that was a lot of the, the sort of language at the time. I remember that uh, as a young person at that time. And uh, the other interesting thing about Shine Jesus Shine is that he started off writing this song and he just had those three verses that, I mean, I think most people probably know this song really well, but those three verses and he road tested it in his home church and he thought, yeah, this is good, but it's a little bit incomplete. Uh, And then he was going to put it in for a songbook and he realized, actually, this needs a chorus. Uh, And I've heard him say that somebody came up to him and said, look, mate, this really needs a chorus, this song. (laughs) Uh, and so he sort of put his guitar around his neck, a little bit like you've talked about. Um, who's the guy that... Oh, Ruben, the Reuben Morgan method. We the Reuben Morgan method, yeah. just putting a guitar on and going, what do people want to sing? Yeah. What do people need? <laughs> <laughs> and he says that just with his guitar slung around his neck, the line, shine, Jesus, shine, just kind of came to his mind. And within half an hour, he'd finished the chorus, which as a songwriter makes you feel like... Argh. I know. You know, there was a little bit of polishing. Um but he says, you know, at the time, there were other songs I rated more highly that I yeah. thought, you know, were going to go, go on to become much bigger. And actually, those songs people have never heard of. And yet, Shine Jesus Shine, which is maybe a song he you know, thought was all right, but wasn't completely sold on, actually has gone on to be kind of certainly the biggest song, uh, worship song written in the last 50 years. Absolutely. I mean, so um, kind of formative for well i mean graham kendrick so let's let's pick up graham kendrick for a minute um as being this singer songwriter turned worship songwriter who kind of certainly in the uk almost single-handedly invented the worship singer songwriter kind of kind of genre and the worship leader um as a as a new kind of um role in in church and and so on um but massively gifted both musically mm. and lyrically and a really unusual combination i think really yeah, you know, yeah really really special and bringing together a real heart for the bible and the importance of words and yet also you know a passion for the holy spirit and the moving of god you know and i think that's that's a really unusual mix that you get in graham of somebody who is so rooted in the bible but is also so kind of um outgoing in terms of the holy spirit and wanting the spirit to move and wanting god to move i think that's that's a real kind of a unique thing that you see in graham so let's play a bit of um critique tennis i'll throw out a okay. point you throw out a point yep why sure. why does this work so well so um the thing is we we've covered a lot of songs um over these podcasts and so i suppose that um 
there are things there are things we might not say every time because we kind of cover them for lots of other lots of other songs. We're trying to pick out some specific things. And the first yeah. thing that just stands out to me is it just has this really hooky intro thing, doesn't it? A really simple thing, but it's dead easy to play on the guitar, and it sounds really good when you play it on the piano. Um, mm. And I bet that is part of just church bands everywhere going. Doesn't it sound great when we play the intro? Yeah, there's a big thing. Yeah, I think related to that is that it is musically interesting, um, and I think that you know this gets played on, as you say, the piano, the organ. It was played apparently at the Dunblane uh, funeral for the Dunblane yeah. memorial service, a, a Tasmanian massacre memorial service. Apparently, the biggest open air mass where the Pope swung his cane in time to the music. You know, it's got this really kind of musically broad appeal, and I think that's because yes, that you know those those first opening chords are really distinctive and they're easy to sing and they they sound great. But actually, as it goes through, it uses quite a lot of different chords. Mm. It's it's musically more than just G, D, and C, yeah. um, and I think that that that's kind of maybe it makes it harder initially to learn because I don't know if you ever played this with a quite a basic worship band at church and gone, oh, actually this is a little bit harder than we thought, but because it's a bit more complex, I think that that's given it a bit of its longevity. Yeah, it also structurally has. I don't know if you noticed in the verse. It takes each melody. It has three different verse melodies and repeats each of them. So it's yeah.ダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダダ
session on metaphor and extended metaphor and we've used this as an example quite a few times and analyzed the lyrics and said this is an extended metaphor on the theme of god is light mm. and not only does he use those synonyms but also he's gone to the bible probably before bible gateway existed you know with an actual concordance how do people do and that? gone what all the references to light in the Bible. And if you go through the lyrics and underline all the references, the biblical references to light, there are so many apps. Almost every line is a kind of biblical quote or allusion to a Bible verse about this yeah. this concept of light and darkness. That's a, uh, which that's a challenge, isn't it? For I mean, this is this is one of the classics of all classic songs. So it's been, mm. like you said, sung everywhere all over the world. And you realise the kind of the kind of work and attention to detail that has gone into it. Mm. You know, sometimes we find, come across these classic songs, and basically the writer says, "Yeah, I wrote it in three minutes on the toilet, but it just turned out to be anointed." <laughs> um, but this one, <laughs> the toilet was anointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, well, let's not make any throne references. Do, do carry, <laughs> do carry on. <laughs> oh, sorry, we really brought the uh, the quality down now. Um, I was going to say something interesting. I reckon if we, I mean, this is not a criticism, but I think if you brought it to us, one thing that someone within Razan would say is you've switched your uh, mode of address. So to begin with, it's we, it's us. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. And then every pre-chorus is shine on me. So it's yeah. corporate. And then the pre-chorus makes it personal, shine on me. Yeah. And then the the, the chorus is back to us yeah uh or or even them uh, a kind of yeah 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 it's yeah um i mean and it's very much addressed to god and then verse two is very personal again it's i i come into so it's a kind of this is me making my decision within this verse yeah um you know i'm choosing to come and asking you to consume all my darkness and then in the final verse, it's back to we, as we get, you know, you are transforming us, God, as we come and, you know, uses that um, Second Corinthians language of yeah. being transformed in God's presence. So, um, and yeah, I, I, get, I guess as I look at that, I feel like it really, really works. Um, and it's, it's obviously very intentional to have a kind of a, a, a corporate bit and a personal bit and to bring those two together in a way that, to me, seems to work really really well yeah it also has a clap as a signature clap doesn't it yeah we put a signature clap in one of the songs on songs for sundays we go down I, really well with when, when i, I get know. people to do it but you i do you think don't like the signature clap slightly ruined this song i, I kind of feel, i don't know whether graham came up with <laughs> it just, or some just have the um so go do 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 set us free the truth you know bring us shine on me Sing with me! Come on, carry on. <laughs> well, well, it's I not guess really the, appropriate to the moment, is it, in some ways? The, the, I mean, the good thing is it's a good bit of kind of audience participation, yeah. isn't it? It, you know, it gets everyone in the congregation involved. And I imagine... I went to the cathedral tour years ago when Graham was going around yeah, all the yeah. cathedrals. Yeah. And he every song, because he was in this big cavern of spaces, he'd rearranged everything to be these beautiful acoustic arrangements with percussion and double bass yeah, and yeah. everything was... And this song, he really slowed down and he said, we're going to make this an intercession for 
for our land and I want you to turn out and face outside the walls and he really kind of brought up in my just really slow and then he goes shine on and then across this cathedral <laughs> everyone just you know, completely out, out of time, time with each because other because it was slow clap, and then all have just clap. clapped at the normal speed yeah totally yeah. it was awful it we and it. so I you know you can't control these things can you but I do wonder whether Graham sits and thinks gosh I'll you know whether he came up with it or somebody i don't know i'd be interested to know yeah um i've got a, a final kind of um pro point and then a potential critique um, which is so nervous about with this kind of thing <laughs> but anyway so so the chorus so you know he had these verses and they said come on you need a chorus um and it's just kind of nice that he bursts out in a fully kind of major chorus for a start yeah just, just shine it's just bang. um but the hook line is Shine, Jesus, Shine. That's definitely, that's the hook line. And one of the strengths of that hook line is it's sung in the rhythm of speech. Mm. I know I bang on about this. But if it was Shine, Jesus, Shine, it wouldn't grab you in the same way as Shine, Jesus, Shine. That's what I say. That's how I speak it. And if, I, if we sing that out together, it just it feels so natural that it explodes from uh, as we sing it. And the same, Blaze, Spirit, Blaze, Flow, River, Flow. They, they match the rhythm of speech. Um, so that's a, a key thing that makes that such a powerful hook. But I also thought if Graham had brought this to the resound writers, which is always the question we ask, I think I would have said, Graham, do you really need to say so much in the chorus? Now, this is interesting because <laughs> it's such a good chorus. I, w- I don't want him to change it. But I know that had he brought it, I'd have said, there's not really, there's not really breathing space in it. Could you just kind of sing? <laughs> shine, Jesus, shine. Just somehow let something ring out. And I yeah. think if you took this to Graham now, I think he'd say a similar thing. Yeah. Um, because it is packed. But on the other hand, it's packed with such quality that um, it's like just having a, a really good sandwich that's just a little bit more chewy, but mm. worth it. And I think that what the, the space that he does create is after Hearts on Fire. I think that's what I think that's why it works. But I know what you and, mean. And I've... let there be light, isn't that? I think that's the most oh, genius yeah. lyric yeah. in the whole thing. Totally, it just, totally. it suddenly takes you into the, it goes cosmic. Yeah, in, in a oh, yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. Is, that we should totally... say that. Let there be light. Oh, yeah. it's powerful. Totally, totally. Great stuff. I tell you the one bit that I would probably put a question mark Ooh. on. Yeah. Um, last verse. Yeah. Uh. I get, as I say, Second Corinthians stuff, gazing on your brightness, being changed from glory to glory. What is mirrored here? May our lives tell your story. I get the lives tell your story, but the mirrored here, yeah, I don't really know what that means. I yeah, good. Is it the story that's mirrored here? I think it's the story mirrored here, or the glory. I don't know. It's just a really good word to go with brightness and radiance and lightness. <laughs> um, I reckon it was just he had one left on the thesaurus. And yeah, uh, where shall I put this? Um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. It's a, I guess the whole thing is about reflecting God's yeah. glory. So, so yeah, that's but, sort but of actually, thing. in terms of it's just it's clarity of language there. It's a little bit. May we reflect your glory and therefore our lives tell your story. We think is what he's saying. Yeah, but it's, uh, listeners, tell us. Tell us, tell us what's going on, or tell us what you think of this um, song. Which it's a classic. 
Well done, Graham. We're going to bounce off our Dissect Classic straight into our first challenge in the 12 Song Challenge. Um, Sam, can you introduce for us uh, the challenge for September? 12 Song Challenge. Yes, we are going to talk about songs of intercession and we're going to try and write one. Uh, as I said before, Graham has said that this was a song which was a really a prayer for revival. And I think particularly the first verse and the chorus uh, are, are, are major you know, parts of that. So, um, you know, Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness, shine upon us, set us free. And then the chorus, you know, fill this land with the Father's glory, flood the nations with grace and mercy. So it's a real call, not just for God to change the church, not just for God to come and fill my heart and give me a lovely feeling of being, you know, right with God, but actually it's, it you know it does shout outside the church's doors it's mm. it's actually saying god we you know you love this earth you created this earth you're the one who's going to transform this earth and so we believe that you're going to do that um and you know we the song itself is a prayer you know we we perhaps separate we think about singing as like praise and adoration and coming yeah. before god and then we maybe often in church we sort of stop and sit down and then someone comes up and prays but this song does the praying for us. The words yeah. of it are a prayer. And so that was what we kind of figured was maybe a good challenge is actually to to write some songs that are prayer for the world, that are intercession, uh, yeah. calling out to God to do something in the world. So we, I found sometimes I'll be writing a song and I often see this with other writers and it is a kind of a praise song, but then it slips into prayer somewhere in the song, which in, in itself is not a bad thing to do. Mm. But what we're saying here is set out from the start to say that is the the aim of the, this song. The message of this song is a cry to God. Yeah. So this is a kind of song that you wouldn't use as your opening song. I don't think generally you're going to call to worship. You're doing praise. You're doing you, you'd, you'd, you'd maybe in terms of the journey of the service, you'd maybe use this around the time that you would normally pray into session or you're using it around the time when you're sort of responding to a talk and you're, you know, the response is God, you know, heal our yeah. land. That's, that's yeah. a kind of part of this in the journey. Brilliant. So um, how would we do it? How would you, how would you go about it, Sam? Give us some tips to help us on our way this month. Yeah. Well, first thing I looked at a few songs that I think do this well. And first thing that I noticed was uh, I think that these songs that, that do this intercession well have some sort of uh, issue or some issues that they had, they identify which generate a kind of emotional pull an emotional tug um so i was thinking about um really great example of this is um stuart townends we have sung your songs of victory yeah and he says in the second Love verse we know your we know your heart is broken by the evil that you see you've stayed your hand of judgment uh da -da -da. the land is still in darkness we fled from what is right we've failed the silent children who will never see the light you know, and that kind of emotional tug makes you realise, oh, there are oh. people outside this church, there are people all over the world, the silent children who will never see the light. And that kind of grabs you to go, God, do something about this. Yeah. Um, or I was thinking uh, about, I really like um, Sue Rinaldi and Caroline Burnett's song. Uh, first lines, We Call to You, King of Compassion. Mm. It was on her Ethos yeah, well, album. That. She talked about that when we interviewed her. I think that's a terrific song. Yeah. She's got these lines about it's it's an intercession song. It's it has a line like we call to you, and then there's always this response, Lord have mercy. 
the cry of our hearts, Lord, have mercy. For those in despair, Lord, have mercy. Where sorrow exists, Lord, have mercy. Uh, in the last verse, it's uh, for those bought and sold, show your mercy, transform killing yeah. fields. So she picks up some some sort of emotive issues, uh, slavery, killing fields, despair, and she puts them into the song. And again, it, it, it's, it's, um, she uses very few words to do that. Yeah. And she just kind of grabs your emotion uh, to kind of be moved for the world. Um, I think it's a... Go on. Well, she uses quite... Um poetic language to encapsulate those doesn't yeah. she rather than say and this is one of the struggles is when you sort of when you name something in very kind of colloquial terms um so for those for slaves in the slave trade or for people who get shot or you know things like that exactly they, they, yeah they become so awkward within the song but when you use an expression like killing fields in it, mm. just on its own, it says more than a hundred words could say, doesn't it? Yeah. It uses yeah. a, a simple expression which has so much um, resonance and so many much more meaning wrapped around it that you're able to be less specific and yet somehow paint a, a picture that's so much fuller than you would do yeah. if you tried to name it really specifically. I agree. It's the danger is with these sort of songs that you end up writing a song like that um, "Flight of the Concord" song about. <laughs> There's people on the streets getting killed with, with knives, knives and, knives and forks. And forks. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes this really kind of unpoetic kind of, and I've oh. done that. I'm, I've, I've seen this in a lot of students that I've, I've worked with. You, you try and write a sort of lament song or a sort of intercession song, but you end up saying things in a very, you know, people are on drugs and okay. people yeah. are depressed. And it's, it's just so it's really... of the Concords. <laughs> That's I did. You know, I saw them in um, oh, saw them in good? London. And, oh my goodness, they were fantastic. It was so I felt, funny. I felt like every person that I'm friends with on Facebook went to a flight oh, of the Concords gig in the last year. I should have taken you with me. me. Oh, yeah, it would have been fun. Next time, I don't think they'll do it again. Next, Next time. time, let's go together. It's brilliant stuff. Anyway, um, I think, but those songs we've talked about, and also uh, there's a song that I I uh, often use as an example. There's a Nicole Nordman song called "He Will Find You." Hmm. Uh, and she just has these amazingly kind of almost like haiku. They're so sort of short and pithy. He will find you at the bottle of a bottom of a bottle. He will find you at the needle's end. He will find you when you beg and steal and borrow. And then the best line um, is he will find you when the doctor's head is shaking. Oh. And that line gives me chills. Oh, my goodness. Because she just says the doctor's head is shaking. It's like six syllables. Yeah. But you absolutely know what that means. And you absolutely know that that's something that will happen to most people at some point in their lives, that the doctor's going to be like, sorry, you know. Um, and so yeah. so to kind of somehow, and maybe this isn't es- essential, but I think it's one way of approaching this is to at some point kind of generate uh, some emotion in the singers that actually they realise, yeah, this is important. Mm. Uh, and do it without being manipulative, without being clunky, but in a way that just kind of connects us with, well, yeah, this is really important because there's a world of, of hurting out there. How do you think you draw the line then between ne- sort of putting the necessary emotion in and being man- a manipulating emotion to kind of, where, where is the line in that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think you sort of know it when you see it. Um, I think the other thing is to keep the focus on God somehow. Okay. So you know that the, the sort of we call to you, Lord, have mercy. 
for in Killing Fields, show your mercy, it's immediately back onto God or yeah. Geraldine's Lord, you hear the cry of the widow yeah. weeping. It's God is in the sentence. God is in the, you know, your um, your one about uh, our God was a refugee. Mm. It's possible to write a refugee song which has very little reference to God and just tells the story of a sad refugee and then in the chorus goes, you know, God help us to do something about this. Mm. Um, but I think a, a better way is to keep God in the picture, keep God, um, yeah, full front and centre and his heart and what he's doing and what he's already done. Um, yeah, and then just kind of, you know, you you want to you avoid just things that are, uh emotionalism i guess uh, you probably know it when you see it or a friend could probably help you to know actually this has gone too far yeah it's definitely one of those things that um in in sort of worship culture it d- does divide people a bit quite often in, in in sort of more conservative circles well the word itself maybe just tells you but there's a, a more of a suspicion of being of manipulating or generating emotion and mm. I'm caricaturing it a bit, you know, saying it's true. And then perhaps in more charismatic circles, there's a sort of suspicion of dryness without emotion yeah. and without some kind of experience. Yeah. Um, so it's a tension we walk, isn't it? And I, you know, lots of us go, oh no, I, you know, I hold the tension really well. But I guess, I guess all of us have have different kind of um, experiences or influences there. There's another yeah. song which is a, um, I, I know you picked out, which is the Rent Collective one. Um, yeah. Come set your rule and reign, um, build your kingdom here. Mm. Interesting. I've seen that's. You know, you said earlier it's not going to be a song you start a service with. This is a song which confuses people. I think sometimes when they're when they're choosing, it's really interesting. Mm. I've seen mm. people start services with this a number of times, and you kind because uh, it has come set your rule and reign. And you think, ah, oh, yeah, this yeah, is a, yeah. call that. But actually, it's not what it's about at all. It's not about. No, it's about out there, and it makes much more sense at the end of the service than it does at the beginning yeah totally one thing we do is we do this song really slowed down um go on sorry it's gonna be a give us a little clip a clip Sorry, this is a little edit moment. I shall edit this. Be not. So we would do um, Build Your Kingdom often more like this. Um, Come set your rule and reign In our hearts again Increase in us we pray Unveil why we're made Come set... And suddenly... You're not thinking, oh, hold down. Yeah. You're thinking, you're thinking, oh yeah, God, you know, come, come, I get the mood fill of us. It. Yeah, and I, and I almost, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them for writing it the way they did, but I think as for worship leaders, it's worth thinking about. Does that, you know, if you write that hold down stuff, and you might use that as a sort of sending out song at the end of a service. Yeah. But actually, slowing it down really turns it into me, a prayer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We we sang it on Sunday night and I I introed it with a I don't know if I can do it now but a kind of can't even hear it cuz I'm playing it with my fingers. But it was very much that kind of 
and at the end of the service, um, the guy leading the service got up and said, uh, and it's just so good to finish that song that reminds us that of the 93% of people who don't go to church, some of them like country and western music. <laughs> so oh, bless him. Um, it's, it's lovely when people pray and criticise you at the same time. Yeah. Uh, brilliant Uh, okay and then another thing that I feel that these songs uh, need is a kind of cry a kind of calling out so you've you've sort of established God these are the issues that we we care about these issues that you care about this is you know what's on our hearts this is what is on your heart and then then the song needs some sort of way that people can call out to God so, again, in the uh, Surinaldi song, she's got this, Lord, have mercy, yeah. which keeps coming back after every line of the verses. Um, in your Build Your Kingdom here, I, I think, really, it's the... I mean, you've got the pre-choruses, which work well. We are your church. We pray revive this earth, mm. which kind of sums up the verses. But, really, it's the end of the chorus that I think is the main cry here. You've got that... Build your kingdom here, we pray. Yeah. And that kind of we pray is your big moment to say, you know, and I think if it had ended with a different way of ending the chorus, it would have felt like a different song. Yeah. You know, because if it had ended up, because you're the one who's going to save, it it wouldn't have the same impact as a song. But you know this is an intercession song because it's got that kind of cry, we pray, we're yeah. calling out to you. Um. And then I think in Song Our Songs of Victory, it's the how long, you know, yeah. the how, again, it's a, a good kind of psalm uh, phrase that he's used. And that long how long, which repeats at the beginning of every yeah, line yeah. of the chorus is that's the cry within this song. And there's a bit in the melody there, which makes it more into more of a cry. If it, the mm. kind of cadence of how long, if it had been how long. That would yeah. sort of sound kind of resigned, but how long means I'm you're just using your melody to turn it into a cry. Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. So we're going to set out and try to write a song, I mean, session, a song which is a prayer, a song which has a, a cry in it or a song which asks God for something. Um, and I was just thinking about how, how might I approach that. And a couple of things I think I might try this month. One is just to think about how is to look at just Bible language. How does the Bible, do, and that's what all of these songs are done. Lord have mercy. How long? Mm. I mean, th- those are such Bible expressions. Um, find out what do the people in the Bible say when they pray stuff? For, for a couple of reasons. One, because it's inspired and it's good. But the other, because it actually it means that when we might tackle something that's more difficult or complex or contemporary, by using what we recognise as biblical language, it gives us something solid to hold on to, I think, as we're, as we're making that cry. It feels like a, a good cry to be making. So look at the Psalms. Mm. The Psalms are packed with them. Look at Jesus. He, he, you know, when Jesus intercedes in John 17, what's the kind of language that, that they use? And, and this is my idea. I think I'm going to try is to go and look at the Psalms. In fact, the Psalms are full of this, of course. But rather than try and re-paraphrase a Psalm or rewrite it, which you could do, I thought I might try and find a psalm which is which is essentially this and and sort of deconstruct it a bit into little kind of headings of what are the elements of it and mm. kind of taking away the content. So for example, it might be that I look at the psalm and the structure seems to be identify the problem, express doubt or pain, remember what God has done, cry for mercy, believe for the future or something that might you know, you can imagine that kind of pattern in the psalm. Yeah. And then yeah. say, okay, 
I'll take this psalm structure and use this to wrap up this particular thing which I want to, to turn into a cry. So that's that's a suggestion. You don't have to do it that way, but you might find that's a way of of approaching it in order to give you a kind of a, a biblically inspired structure to deal with something which is perhaps more contemporary and also to pull out a line that pull out a line from there which you keep which might be that mm. the lord have mercy or god remember us or or something which gives you the kind of ancient and divine resonance of the psalms mm. yeah it's really good i think the other thing for if people are looking for inspiration is to think about their own church and what are the contexts in which people do pray mm. and how could you write a song that would fit in that context so maybe you have prayers of intercession every week and maybe you can write a song that would fit into that yeah. other people have a prayer meeting midweek or they have a particular group where they meet uh, and they pray or or it's a particular issue that is relevant to your church or your situation right now you know f for me uh, involved in working with a charity that uh, works with women who are sexually exploited mm. and so that raises a whole range of issues that I can't particularly find in any song that I know yeah so you know I can think actually that's a good that's a good gap to write into yeah great stuff well there's the challenge so the the idea is spend September writing it, see where you get to it. At some point during the month, if you want to join in and kind of receive the emails, be part of the group that's that's sharing songs, then drop us a line, um, which you can drop us a line on info at resoundworship.org or podcast at resoundworship.org, and um, we'll sign you up. Um, and then you can share it and just see where you get to. Don't feel like you have to finish it, um, but do something. And if you just go to the trouble of just record it into your phone or something and post it up, then yeah. you know you've done it and you've ticked off September. And you just, we never know, there might be an absolute beauty comes out of this. Well, that's the end of our podcast for this month. Remember, we love to hear from you, so do get in touch with your questions, comments and suggestions uh, regarding new things or anything we've been discussing this month. You can contact us on podcast at resoundworship.org, find us on Facebook slash resoundworship.org or tweet us at resoundworship. All that remains for me to do is to introduce our featured song and it's track four from our new Love Songs EP. It's called No Greater Love by Andy Clark. Sam, thanks very much. See you next month. Thanks, John. Bye. See ya. Bye. Sacrifice Offered in place of us
Can we tell? 